like I'm new, he's new, we work really well together, and like he was willing to take a chance on me. That perfectly describes both aspects of today's conversation with Brenna Jennerette, her agent story, and our podcasting and critiquing story. You may contribute a verse. I'm Josh Munkin, children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster, joined by Brenna Jennerette, children's lit author, mother, avid climber, and outdoors person, and podcaster. This is the podcast You May Contribute a Verse, where we talk to kid lit creators, share their stories, and learn from their journeys. Today is about being weird together. It is the first recorded conversation between Brenna and me as we get to know each other better and embark on this quest to do a cool little podcast about picture books. Every path trodden in this industry is different, and they all represent stories worth telling. Today's story with Brenna not only represents the traditional how I got my agent story, which is unique and very 2021, but how we got to where we are now. It's a story of partnership, putting yourself out there, embracing the weird, and finding ways that work for you. Brenna's journey has been super productive, not only landing her an agent in Dan Kramer of Page Turner Lit, but becoming part of our budding Totally Funny Critique group and eventually us combining our podcasting powers into one. Each turn of the tale is about keeping eyes and ears open for opportunity, heart open to accept the uncertainty inherent in new paths, and keeping your mouth open to podcast it out. In any case, here is Brenna Jennerette's verse. Yeah, he split from uh, Flannery Lit, which is, so they've been, so it's interesting. So I guess like I can, I can dive into talking about um, how I found Dan in the first place and like how I, how I got my agent, because this is sort of the backstory to it. So um, I, I won a contest from him in March because he was, so he was part of Flannery Lit. He was an associate um, agent with them for a year plus. Um, that agency has been around for like 20 plus years. They, um, who do they represent? It's um, Paulson. What is his first name? He wrote Hatchet, that that book. Gary Paulson. Yeah, yeah. Gary Paulson is who they represent. Oh, wow. So like, yeah. And a couple of other like names that are like kind of familiar, but not really. Um, but she like, she's been around forever. I believe it's Jennifer Flannery, but she's like, you know, pretty old school. So she's not on social media. You don't really see like, um, any of her like stats, like it's kind of hard to find. So we, you know, you have, you have to dig quite a bit to figure out like, you know, what has she done? Like, who does she represent? So, um, anyway, so he worked really closely with her for a year or more. I'm not sure what the timeline is, but, um, so in March I saw him posting, you know, he was having these contests, like guess, you know, a number between whatever, and, you know, you can win a critique and then a zoom follow-up. And I was like, Whoa, that's awesome from an agent. So I like entered every contest he put on. And, um, the one that I won is he, so he had the same basketball Jersey as, you know, a super famous guy, but only had it for a year. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Michael Jordan, obviously. He only had it for a year. Are you serious? Like, And I was like 45 and I got it immediately. He's like, yeah, that was so fast. So got the critique. So sent, the, sent my manuscript over. He critiqued it. And then we did like a Zoom follow-up, you know, like a week later. He had a bunch of great notes. And then at the end, he was like, um, he's like, yeah, so when you do the revisions, you know, go ahead and send it back to me. Like, I'll, you know, take another look at it. And I was like, really? Like, that's, that's incredible. Like nobody does that. And so I messaged my original critique group and I was like, guys, 
I think I just got an R and R. Like, is that is that a thing? Like, I didn't even I wasn't you know officially querying, but and like he said, you know, I could revise and resubmit. So this is awesome. So I scrambled for like two weeks, you know, trying to revise this thing and like rework the story structure and like you know kill off the character that wasn't doing anything because I had this passive character and like all the you know all this stuff. And I took in like all the information. I came up with like six different versions, and that's when. I met you and we were, you know, we started that new critique group. And so I elicited, you know, a bunch of you guys to like, take a look and be like, tell me which version to go with. Cause my brain is like scrambled. So anyway, so I resubmitted it to him and then I didn't hear anything back for a long time. You know, at some point he was like, Oh yeah. He's like, I just wanted to let you know, I did get the manuscript, um, you know, and I'll get back to you soon. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, and then in July he was like, I got it. How, yeah. how long was a long time though? <laughs> Is that because you and I first met in, and we can get into this too, but you and I first met in sure. March or April when our totally funny critique group started and you had already submitted to him the original right. version, but not the revised version yet. We helped with that, the revised. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I submitted to him end of March and then I resubmitted like beginning of April. So after I had, you know, sent it through you guys and then I didn't hear, I heard back in maybe like May, like end of May. And he's like, I got it. And, you know, it's been, there's been a delay, whatever, you know, I'll get back to you soon. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't hear back from him again until middle of July. And he was like, do you have time for a Zoom call, you know, sometime this week? And I was like, yeah, clear everything. Like, let's do this. Like, sure I do. When do you want to talk right now? I'm ready. Let's do it. So, um, Yeah. So then we set up the Zoom call. And then in preparation for the Zoom call, I went back over, reread the manuscript I sent to him. And I was like, oh, man, I'm like, should I just cancel the Zoom call? He's going to tell me like, I need all these, you know, I need all these re, re, um, you know, revisions. And just like, you know, I got to go back to the drawing board because I could tell like reading it because that many months in between, you know, I had learned that much more as a writer and was just sort of like, oh boy, I can see where it drags here and I can see like, I don't like this part and oh no, like, you know, I was just really in my head about it. So we had the call and he was like, yeah. So, you know, he gave me a couple of like editorial type feedback things and then gave me a really great idea for how to fix the the whole plot line. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I like, you know, I was like writing it down and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, the other thing is I'd like to offer you representation on this piece. And I was like, what? Oh my God. Awesome. And he's like, yeah. Like, so the two things that really stood out is he said, he thought, he thought my manuscript was whimsical, which I appreciate. And then also, I can attest. (laughs) Thank you. And then also, he said he really appreciated the work ethic that I showed with the revisions in between the initial call. And then those two weeks when I was like, you know, really trying to refine it and get it to a place that I felt good about. So that to me was huge. Like if I, you know, like if I were telling somebody else who's looking for an agent or like, you know, trying to do this, like, you know, maybe they got a revise and resubmit or whatever. I, I really feel like being able to work with an agent based on their feedback is so huge because if if they give you feedback and then you actually take that into account and you work really hard on integrating it and making sure that it like aligns with your plot, you know, without giving up your own voice, of course, like you have to be true to what you're actually trying to say. But 
I really feel like that was the thing that put me over the top because so the manuscript was not done yet. Like I submitted a whole new version to him. We I, we did another round of edits and now we're now we're close to, you know, having it submission ready. But Dan was willing, you know, to work with me on it to the point where it was like he saw like a seed of a great story. And then he also, you know, I met him halfway and was like, I, you know, I'll do the work. Like I will, you know, I'll listen to you and I will put in the work and I will, you know, take your, your um, advice to heart and really like, you know, do my part. And I think that was huge in getting me over the edge. Do, do you think that you would have had a similar experience if you had gone through the regular querying process? The regular querying process with Dan or just in general? With Dan in particular. If say he opens up on query manager and you send the package and you have a mm-hmm. cover letter and you're not like, <laughs> I can't remember what you said, guessing basketball jersey numbers and all that sort of thing. <laughs> right. um, do you think it would have broken through? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I'd like to think so because I, I feel like I've read enough manuscripts at this point, you know, in critiquing and whatever that I, I want, I want to think that mine would have stood out enough because it was, it's not an idea I've seen before. So I feel like that would have helped it along, but I, yeah, that's a good question. I really don't know because some of the critiques that I got back from it were, you know, it's a, it's sort of a specific holiday um, book. So you don't want to be that specific with a, you know, a tiny window of holiday sales. Um, And so that was one of the critiques I got from people. And they were like, you should make it more general, like maybe it's like a birthday party or whatever. But the way that I structured the story, it it didn't work because there's a whole heist involved. And so it wouldn't have worked that way. And so my that was and that to me was like, the voice of my story. That was like the whole point of it. Like if I got rid of that, it was like, why am I writing this? Cause I, you know, that was the thing I wanted to hold on to. So I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like that it's like a double-edged sword because that is the thing that makes it unique, but it might also be the thing that makes it difficult to sell. So um, I don't know. I, but I think also too, like you and I have talked about this recently, like agents who are opening up to, either starting, they're like going off on their own and building their client list, or they're starting their own agencies, those agents, and you know, you'll hear this in other webinars and stuff too, but those agents are more hungry to, and they're more willing to work with a new author, you know, to like work on a manuscript to make it submittable or to like, you know, help you put in that work. And so I think that also really played a part in me landing Dan as an agent, because he was really, you know, he was open to helping me, you know, move this manuscript along. If I had submitted it to somebody else who was, you know, already had a full client list, was super established and, you know, didn't have the time to put in to like helping me make this manuscript what it is, then, you know, they might've passed. I might've gotten a revise and resubmit, but I, you know, I don't know. So I, I feel like really lucky and grateful to have landed Dan and to, you know, to had to have had our paths cross when they did, because we were both kind of in the same situation, you know, like I'm new, he's new, we work really well together. And like, he was willing to take a chance on me. And he and I wrote that in an email, like when I accepted the offer, and I was like, thank you so much for taking a chance on me. And he was like, thank you for taking a chance on me. So like, you know, it was sort of a mutual like, okay, this is great. Like, I think we can do this. You know, if we work as a team, we can really like make this thing happen. 
So, um, yeah. Are you connected with anybody else who he represents? Yeah, there's a couple of um, like, so there's Andrew Hackett. Have you seen him? He does. Mm -hmm. um, Yep. He does the blog, um, the backstory, which I really like. I love how he gets to like, he talks to the authors about the inspiration for all their stuff. Um, let's see, Margot Sorensen, I believe is her last name. And she just had a book come out. Um, shoot. I need, I should get the name right before I say it on the podcast. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to give her a book name. Wrong. Always put um, it in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We can, I'll, we'll put it in the notes. I'll look it up and put it in there. Um, but she's getting like stunning reviews on her book that just came out. Um, and then there's CK Malone. Um, they are oh, yeah. still working on manuscripts with, with Dan. Yep. Um, and I think, and there's a couple of others that I can't remember the names of now. There are a couple of illustrators that I saw recently were like, Oh, like I'm represented by Dan Kramer. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So like other, you know, like 12 by 12 people or whoever. So yeah, a couple of like cross paths. But circling back to the original rationale, he's at least got a basketball team's worth of clients. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you, I mean, you, you have a relationship on paper with Dan for this manuscript. Mm-hmm. What is your, what, what's your perception of how that's going to work going forward? So, yeah. So, my yeah so my contract is a little bit different than how it normally goes because everybody says you know you want to have three to five polished manuscripts before you start querying so i i was not querying when i when i won the contest from dan and then got him as an agent so because i didn't have i didn't have the polished manuscripts and i was like okay let me really focus in on this one and you know see what i can do because i this i just really love this manuscript so i had been working on it for a while and i was not querying so the yeah i got i just got really lucky because he he was a, able to put together a contract for just the one manuscript like he wasn't he didn't ask to see any of my other manuscripts because the contract was only for the one book, which is lucky because like I said, I didn't have them at, you know, now going forward, like I am, I do have more and more polished manuscripts as we go along. Um, and the contract is open to like, so it's sort of an umbrella contract. So if I come up with more manuscripts that we both agree we want to move forward with together, then they can also, you know, sort of fall under that umbrella of representation. So, um, yeah, it's kind of lucky that so I got I got in the door with the one, and now there's opportunity to add others to those going forward. Modified um, with options, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this first manuscript is under contract for one year. So for one year, we will work together on it. You know, put it out on submission, whatever. And then after a year, you know, if it sells, awesome. If it doesn't, I you know we have the option to sort of reevaluate and decide you know do we want to move forward are there other manuscripts we're going to pursue together you know how does that look which to me seems great it's sort of like a trial relationship you know what I mean like let's see how you work let's see how I work instead of you know jumping in with with an agent that you're like oh this is great like you're a career agent for me and you know we're going to be together forever and then you know, something happens and you're like, oh shoot, like we have to break up, you know, like that's the worst. Like nobody wants to break up. So, (laughs) right. But so this is great because it's sort of like, 
well, yeah, let's see how this goes. Like so far, so good. Like I'm, you know, I'm happy with the relationship and I think it's going great. Dan is awesome. Um, and then, you know, if we can work on other manuscripts together and see how that unfolds too, then that's awesome. But it's not like, you know, if it doesn't work out, neither of us is really, you know, out that much. Like it's not going to be as painful, I guess. You know what I mean? So we're still sort of like building that relationship with it, which I really appreciate. I feel like that's how you have to do it. You can't mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It's hard to jump in. It's anyway. I, my, my mind keeps wanting to make relationship analogies. Which it's not, not, I mean, not, not really appropriate, appropriate, but it does, it does track in terms of there being room for a trial period where you're trying to get used to each other and you haven't fully mm-hmm. committed and moved into the same, like amplifying your own career space. Hopefully there's a lot of room for that in the industry. Where you, yeah. don't, you don't have to just like bank on the one relationship being what makes you successful or not. Yeah, right. Totally. And I feel like regardless, you know, like there's so much for me to learn from working this closely with an agent and having somebody, you know, in my corner and helping to go over the editorial stuff and, you know, the, you know, tweaking plot, the plot holes or whatever it is. Like, I feel like it can only, it can only be a good thing. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, oh, that's so rare. And, you know, like you don't usually find uh, an agent who just wants to do, you know, represent one manuscript because that's a lot of work and blah, blah, blah. So it makes you feel a little bit insecure and you're like, oh my gosh, did I, what have I done? Have I done the wrong thing? But I don't think so. Like, I feel, I feel really good about it. Like I, it's the opposite. Like I had said. It's more like, yeah, it's more like, yeah, no pressure, no pressure for you to deliver right now. We'll work on it together. Mm -hmm. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been writing going down this path? Had you queried oh. before? Yeah. So that, okay. So that's a great question. So, <laughs> um, so I've been writing, I've been writing forever, but before I started writing kidlet stuff, I was writing like outdoor adventure stuff. So in my other life, I'm a rock climber. So I had, I have written blogs and blogs and blogs about, you know, climbing outside, climb, you know, rock climbing, the mental aspect of it, different, places that we've been living in the van, all that stuff. And then I switched over to writing about, you know, climbing and getting outside with kids. And so that's what I was doing right before I, I really dove into the kidlet stuff. So when my son was born, I wrote my very first manuscript about him. So my husband is Filipino. I'm white. My son is also white, which we thought was pretty I, I did not expect that. I thought he was going to come out a lot darker. I thought he would look a lot more like my husband, which is not the case. So we had this really funny conversation one time on a hike about like, you know, what goes on in there? Like what is happening? Are the jeans like holding it? You know, like they're like noogieing each other and like arm wrestling over like who gets, you know, representation for this kid. So I wrote this whole manuscript based on that. And I did query it because I was like, oh, this is great. Like I can totally write, you know, a kid's book. Like that's so easy, which is, oh my gosh, it's so not easy. Right. So I, like, I thought it at the beginning. I'm sure everybody does. To be right. Right. So I wrote this manuscript and I started, I sent it out. I sent it to, I even sent it to people like Jennifer March Soloway, which she was so sweet about it and was like, you know, this is really creative, but it's not for me. And looking back at the original, I'm like, oh my gosh, she was so kind. I can't believe I wasted your time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so it came out a rhyming manuscript, which is so hard on top of just writing a regular book anyways, but I couldn't get it not to rhyme. 
So in January of last year, I was like, look, I really want this thing published. I think it could be really good, but I don't know how to rhyme. I need a critique group. So I found a rhyming specific critique group. So that is like my original critique group. Yeah. And they really helped. They really helped me to figure out like, what is meter? What is rhyming? Like what, you know, like, what am I doing? So they helped me like polish that thing up and really get it to a good spot. So I started querying it again. So I only have this one manuscript, right? And I didn't know anything about like, oh, you should have three to five, or you should really like make sure you've got this and this in place or whatever. I just started like throwing it out there again. And then I started listening to more and more podcasts and like webinars about like how to do stuff and how to be prepared. And I was like, oh, okay. So I like took it back off the shelf, like tucked it away and started writing other stuff. So that was January of this year so like nine months is where is when I started focused yeah. on kidlet books and writing yeah yeah I uh it's surprising how parallel the journey is I mean I I took it out there I was I had early a couple of early manuscripts that I had queried in the early part of this year the okay. first manuscript I have I had ever written was August of last year I wrote it actually on a hike with my two daughters we oh, just awesome. it was it was also a rhymer which is very like it's very um ambitious of us to do these rhyming manuscripts from the get-go <laughs> since that's what everybody says is the hardest thing to do but okay. we, through the course of the hike we had come up with um, the basic premise of this redone fairy tale. I think you've seen this manuscript. I've read it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, awesome. and, uh, it, and it just never went anywhere. Cause it just wasn't, it, it wasn't good. The other couple of manuscripts, not that, not that they weren't good. They just weren't done. They weren't queryable. And my position early this year was look, you, it's, it's a learning process. Put yourself out there and learn. And I did. And I scoffed it at authors who would say, oh, I haven't queried in a long time because my position was, why, why would you stop? Well, there comes a point where you've learned enough now that you go like, oh, this is not now. I now I understand where my gaps are. Now I've seen enough other people's manuscripts to know where I need to make improvements. And so it's been months and months since yeah. I've queried too. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, I feel like I've learned a lot from the critique groups, not just having my stuff critiqued, but like you're saying, reading other critiques or like, you know, critiquing other people's stuff. Cause it makes you think about, okay, what, you know, what is a story missing? Like, does it have an emotional arc? Does it have a story arc? You know, how many characters are we working with? Like I wrote another one recently or like earlier this year that had like, what, like 12 characters. And you guys were like, um, so like the characters are really funny and cool, but like, I got really confused because, you know, there's only like 500 words to, to introduce everybody. So, and I was like, oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Like that's helpful. So yeah. And, and as, as you're saying too, like getting yourself out there, that's how I, that's how I got the contest with Dan. Like I tell everybody this, like I, so I'm sure whoever is listening, like you can hear it in my voice. Like I get really excited and I talk really fast. And I have all this energy, like, but I want, I like, I'm a sucker for like an event or like a contest or like, you know, like, like a party. So anytime there's anything, like any contest, any like writing anything, I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm in. So I like entered everything. So my husband is always like, he's like, you win a lot. I'm like, 
I enter a lot. Like you gotta play I to win, win right? <laughs> right? Like I win, I do win like kind of often, but like the stats for like this, like as many contests as I enter versus the ones that I win, like I win a fraction of them, but like I enter everything. So like, yeah, I don't like put yourself out there. Like that is a great like piece of advice. If you're just jumping into it, like get out there and like engage with people, talk to people like Becky in our critique group, like, she is incredible at networking and engaging and just being like authentically like there for people that she's never met before. Like she's so sweet. Like you see her on Twitter and you're just like, Oh my gosh, she's friends with everybody. Like she, right. she's great at that. You know, as so, an introvert, it's exhausting <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> I know. I mostly do like likes or like gifts or, or whatever. Like, yeah, but that that engagement for me is harder than like part like participating in a contest or like retweeting something or like getting the word out. But yeah, she's incredible at that. Yeah, so. you and I. Yeah, you and I. I mean, we first got connected in the spring when I was first getting out there and starting to query and looking to revise manuscripts. And the the critique group that we started together with the rest of our cohort has been immensely valuable. But just being a part of the the community is in, in itself n not like you get to see other people's manuscripts but you get exposed to the like sensibilities of other people mm. that are in the kidlit orbit you see what they're reading you see what other agents are talking about and announcing deals for and it's like its own form of a manuscript wish list to me uh, it's been super totally. valuable. The first time that being on Twitter hours every day has been immensely valuable in my, in my life. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, because you sort of, it's almost like the, um, like the zeitgeist out there. You know, you're like sort of like getting like an insider's view into what is coming out of other people's brains. Like there's lots of stuff about like kindness or friendship or whatever, like those themes, you know, those are classic themes anyways, but even more so now I feel like people are really like doubling down on that stuff, like putting it out there for kids, you know, to like feel safe and to know that there's like, you know, hope in the world and you know, all of that kind of stuff. So like we see a lot of that come through. And then there's also, I feel like you and I tend to go, we tend to like push it to the edge a little bit with like quirky and like a little bit like yeah. out there, which I really appreciate. Like, I, I don't know, like I love weird and just like, not normal because I'm like, you know, there are, there are like, there's definitely a place for really sweet and kind and quiet books, but that is, I mean, that's not, that's not my voice, obviously. I mean, I just don't, I don't tend that way. So I like those themes, but I like to sort of like wrap them up in like a weirdo kind of like covering so that it's like, I don't know. So it's more fun for me to write and more fun for me to read. So. Well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, wrap it up in weird to both. I mean, both to give potential audiences a hook, but also to keep to keep us interested. I that's that's my rationale, at least. Is totally. I need something crazy to hang my hat on. If I'm going to want to read this to my one of my daughters um, at bedtime, I want it to be something that's fun for me to so no ding on the rest, the rest of Kidlet. But that's if they say yeah. right what you know. Um, what, what I, what I know is being weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, what totally. I am. Yeah. totally. Because if I start writing a manuscript or dialogue or whatever, and I'm like bored with it, or I'm like, I'm like not psyched to go back and do revisions. I'm like, 
this is not, I'm like, nope, got to scrap it. You got to start over. Like, are there aliens involved? Can we add some zombies? I don't know. Does like glitter rain from the sky out of nowhere? Is there a jelly bean party? It's like, you got to have something that's like, yeah, like some sort of hook. Cause like you're saying, yeah, nothing wrong with the rest of, you know, kidlet or how, or how anybody else writes. I just have found that that is really my voice. And if I don't write that way, I get really bored and I feel like it'll be easy for me to like give up. But I I also feel like that's how you and I sort of gravitated towards each other. And that's why this, you know, we've created this podcast is because we kind of both tend towards weird and we're like, oh, this is great. Like you did a podcast. I was doing a podcast. We can't do it on our own. Let's do it together. So like that's kind of how this was born, which is awesome. And we've got our first episode title, 10 Towards Weird. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. What, I mean, what, what are you hoping for? for the future, not just for us doing this podcast. Cause I, I think that we've got that shared in, in the sense that you just want to have open and frank conversations about what it means to, to write for kids. Yeah. But what do you, what do you want out of your kid lit journey? Oh, like I asked that question, but I don't know how to answer that myself necessarily. Right. Well, I'm thinking about like, you know, on like a deeper level, like why, like, why do I write it? It, you know, because I like the weird stuff and because I like the funny stuff, like I think about like, why do I like that kind of stuff? And it's because like, there's a lot going on in the world, right? Like there's always a lot going on in real life. And I don't particularly enjoy being an adult who has to be like the responsible person around the house. It's like not fun for me, you know? I mean, who is that fun for? But I feel like I write that way and I put the books out there or I'm hoping, you know, to put them out there so that kids can also, you know, it's like, it's sort of an escape, but it's also sort of like, you know, like it gives something for, it gives your like creativity and your mind something to think about other than like the drudgery of like everyday life and just like all of the, all of the rough stuff going on. Like nobody wants to think about COVID or like their kids getting sick or, you know, what to do about the environment. Like, of of course I care about those things and I, you know, I want to make a difference in those areas, but I need a laugh. Like I need, I need to like have some sort of like release at the end of the day or like something to look forward to. And so that's, that's ultimately like why I write these books for kids and for myself is to sort of like cultivate that and to cultivate something fun, something that is like not heavy. Yeah. Or, or even if it does have some not heavy implications, but serious undertones, which is always mm-hmm. the goal. Let's right? put, put, don't, slap somebody in the face with meaning, but put enough right. in there that there's there's something that kids can sink their teeth into, but then, you know, let them think about glitter rain and space zombies and all that sort of thing. Because yeah. that's what kids like. They like flexing their brain. And I totally. also don't like, uh, you know, being forced to, to fit into rigidly defined roles and things. I, I, I want for parents and kids alike to be able to be weird together. That's one of my favorite things is being weird with my kids. Right. Let's be weird together. Maybe yeah. we should retitle the po- the whole podcast. Let's be weird together. There you go. <laughs> I think that's a problem we already take. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree. Like I, like my favorite thing about like the way Gene and I interact with our son is is like we're we're like totally not afraid to just be like ridiculous like that's the best stuff you know when you're just like you make up this whole ridiculous game about 
I don't know, space aliens or whatever it is. And it's like this very specific like household game that only the three of us understand. But it's like so weird that, we, you know, he has a great time and it just, yeah. So I, I agree with that totally. Yeah. I would do it. Well, I'm excited for us to start having these conversations. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, I think, I think this was a great first one. For and sure. I think it was relatively, it was relatively short, I think. I mean, based on when we started recording, I don't know how long we've been recording. Less than a half for. hour. Yeah. Awesome. Right about that. That's perfect. Yeah. I think that's perfect. <laughs> and we should keep all this stuff at the back end too, just to, just for the full sausage making. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Episode 28 of You Make Contributor Verse has come to a weird end. Here's where I'd normally do promo for the guest, but since my guest this week is my co-host, we move into the standard conclusion. So as for Brenna and me, You May Contribute a Verse is a homespun production produced, edited, recorded, conceptualized, and marketed by Brenna Jenneret and Josh Munkin. Hit us up at verse.show and find the show and me on Twitter as at verse show. That's V-E-R-S-E-S-H-O-W. Find Brenna on Twitter as at Brenna Jenneret and at brennajenneret.com. That's G-E-A-N-N-E-R-E-T. The artwork for You May Contribute a Verse is an amazing picture commission for the podcast from a very talented artist, Charlie Munkin, age eight. Love you, Charlie. The show's music is provided graciously by Robbie Zarr via tracks from his album, A Tragic But Happy Horse. Engage with his music and musings at partist.com, and that's P-A-R-T-I-S-T dot com. If you would be so kind, however you're listening to this, let us know what you think with a comment or a rate. It means a lot to us. And finally, remember the answer that you are here, that life exists, and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. 